Hey, this is the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. Remember us? We're at Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. We're at A to Z podcast.com. At Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. Cleveland Scene is one of our sponsors. Honeymoon Grill, which has a drive through is one of our sponsors. American Fireworks, which is always open at AmericanFireworks.com. They're over there in Hudson. They're one of our sponsors. We thank them. We thank you guys for listening. We took last week off as the Browns had a bye week, and frankly, we had other stuff to do for most of the time. Um, we're back. We're talking football. It's a strange world. Um, Dre, how are you holding up? I'm alive. I'm here. Um, we took the bye week with the bye week. I even thought about it myself, and, and I'll admit this. Like, it's weird scheduling, and this isn't a poor me moment or poor you moment. But, like, we should have did one last week. I wanted to do one last week, but it just didn't fit. And, and you have this weird schedule. My schedule's weird. I don't really work, but I work enough that I don't like doing stuff all the time. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like, somebody said that to me. They're like, well, you do a show. You almost do a show almost every day in the week. And I guess this football season, it has been goofy because a lot of the work is done from home. So it doesn't feel like work, but it becomes just, I shouldn't say annoying because they pay. You get where I'm going. <laughs> and then my wife had her event last week. Um, shout out to everybody that I know people that listen to this podcast, uh, guys like Ian Wright and other people like that, that listen to this podcast and helped out with direct to connect foundation. Um, it was a blast. It was virtual done like never before. And somehow or another, um, my wife and our company somehow raised about the same amount of money that they usually raise when we go to the barley house. So for whatever that states or says about 2020, we tip our hat and we say thank you to the Josh Cribs and, Anyone and everyone else that put put their out there, put it out there. We got into the the fifty fifty raffle. Um, it was a really cool experience because I didn't think in a in a I didn't think that there was a chance in hell um, they would raise what they raised. So that was a um, that was a nice backdrop to the bye week to say the least. Um, usually we do the we do that. You know it's it's crazy that usually that uh, program is done during the bye week so we can try to make it as easy as possible for all of our friends to be able to make it out to a bar or whatever else. But that was the barley house. People go there no matter if it's, a, if it's a pandemic or not. I guess we didn't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's <laughs> it's a weird world. It's the NBA draft today. How about that? Yeah. So I, I can I, let me admit something before we get to that. I love basketball and I know you love basketball. Um, I love nachos at high school basketball games, as you've told people so very well. <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure at some point in time, hopefully, I will be going to some high school basketball games one way or the other. I got to tell you something. At 42 years old, this is the most out of the water I've ever been for an NBA draft night. And, I, and I'm, I'm selling myself on it's because it's November and almost December that I just don't have a feel for NBA or basketball. Um, but I really have no feel for it right now. And I hope this doesn't become the norm for me, Zach. Yeah, well, no, I, I don't think it will. Because even though the schedule is going to be different this year, it's going to get back to resembling the normal time. Um, no, I, I think normally, look, we would we would not do this today, right? Because we would say, why would we do it before the Cavs make a pick? However, right. we don't know. The Cavs are so far from relevance for one. But that's not the point. We don't know enough about anybody <laughs> that it's going to make any difference whether we did it before or after the draft. So we're about six hours from the draft as we record this, which means a lot of people won't listen until after. Um, right. 
Yeah, and, and look, we didn't have the NCAA tournament this year. So that for just the common fan or even the semi-advanced fan, knowing anything or having an opinion worth a darn about any of these players is different. And that certainly doesn't mean that Obi Toppin still might not be Derek Williams because he didn't have a great tournament run, right? <laughs> but it also, like... That's a hell of a comparison. I didn't even think of those two. Yeah. Man, go ahead. And I'm not, saying he, I'm not saying he is or isn't because what I know about the Can kid people stop? rave about him... If I hear, yeah, but if yeah. I hear another person compare him to Mari Stoudemire, I'm going to punch somebody in the mouth. <laughs> they have a lot of similar body language. Do you think so? When he dunks a ball, he comes down, he looks like Amari Stoudemire. Okay, yes. okay, okay. But you just hit on it. And you're, and you're from a basketball family. You're talking about the end. How about the beginning? Amari was a super freak. Okay? Yeah. And I like Tobin. I like Tobin. But he, Amari was a top ten, top. he was a top five super freak athlete. He was just an athlete. Top, when I watch Obi Tobin play, I don't, the first thing I think is, I don't think athlete. That's all I'm saying. Sure. No. And, and like, that's... So when I think of Amari, I think of a six foot 10 yes. guy that can just run and jump out of the building that you had to kind of wait for everything else to develop. If anything, I'll give Abito, I'll give him credit. He's got more of a pick and roll game than Amari had when he came out of the draft. And Amari was like 18 at the time. This guy's yeah. 22. No. And yeah, no, he's, he's ancient by NBA draft standards. So all, all of that stuff is real. Um, I just think, Dre, in addition to the to the buzz and the sizzle, and obviously it's just a different world. I mean, the draft's on a Wednesday night the week before Thanksgiving. Um, when you don't have the NCAA tournament, that is just such a ground of evaluating where something matters. Because these kids, they go, they transfer, right? And they go to one-and-dones and they play AAU ball, even though whatever. And, and like, every year it's unfinished product. Every year it's um, – um, you know, Fran on there saying he's two years away from being two years away and teams are drafting right. in the top 10 anyway, <laughs> right? Like, right. so we, we we know even less, I guess, is what we're saying. And, like, I forget who said – I think it was Jay Billis on with Dan Patrick the other day. He said, you know what sticks out to me about LaMelo Ball? He's never finished a season. So, oh my God, yeah. you know, you can take a stance on his dad. You can take a stance on can he shoot or not or will he even try to defend – but, like, eventually you're drafting guys to get you to the playoffs and win. And so, you know, I don't know. I, I can tell you that of the ten most bizarre events I've ever attended, going to Canton Fieldhouse to watch LaMelo Ball play a, quote, high school basketball game against your alma mater is up there. Um, it's because of the way people flocked to his yeah. his father. You know, um, he was so advanced compared to everyone out there that it was – it was interesting to certainly watch him, but he didn't need to exert himself. You know, he threw in some threes, but it didn't look like a shot where you were like, oh, my goodness, like, he's going to make this every time, you know? And you don't want to label or write off the kid because of what has happened to him the last five years and, and all of that stuff. And just in general, growing up with that whack ass for a father. But, like, you have yeah. to take it into account, Right? Like, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot to what you just said. And like, I mean, that kid, I, I can remember, and I, let's go back at stuff, because I think he is going to be the number one pick. And as you said, most people that watch this probably or listen to this, uh, the draft probably has already happened, and he's probably been the number one pick overall already. I think he will be the number one pick, but who I knows? I think the Georgia kid, um, but I really don't know. Yeah. 
But okay, there's a remind me, remind me. There's a quote from about the Georgia kid I want to tell you too. I'm glad that came up. Um, the Georgia kid I like too, but he can't shoot. But that's Horton or the here or there. I keep hearing he's Dwayne Wade. We got to stop with these comparisons, y'all. Just say he's a good athlete. Like I get, like I just, I, okay, I'm getting old, man. I hate the comparisons on draft day because I know what I'm seeing, and when I hear those comparisons. I feel like they're talking to like blind people that don't know what what Dwayne Wade looked like or what Amari Sodder looked like. Sodomar looked like. I was old enough to see what they looked like when they were drafted in the first round. I know who they were. I watched them in college. All right, back to Lamelo, Mr. Ball. We were together. We were in the studio together the night he scored a hundred points in a high school game. Do you remember that? We were mm-hmm. doing a podcast, and you and as usual. Um, we're probably worse at it when we're in the same room together and we're podcasting. But when the one's talking, the other one is on his phone or looking at tweets or looking at text messages that we constantly get while we're talking to each other. And I'll never get your face. And, it, and the story kind of like broke and it went on ESPN. And it might have been even the time when we would do two podcasts in one night. Man, we had no lives. And it was so much more fun then. Um, <laughs> not a lot's changed. Let's be honest. We're just not. We just go to bed a lot earlier now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I take naps like old men now during the middle of the afternoon. Um, but I can remember you and I both, and I'm like, is this kid that good? And you were just like, and, and you broke down, and we didn't do a podcast about it, but you broke down just like the whole family and just how everything was put together and what we expected. I will say this. The older brother has become a better player than I thought he would. I liked him at UCLA. I think he's a good enough pro and on the right team. And as he grows into um, what he is and grows away from his father, which has been a beautiful thing and the best thing for him, um, I think that he is a he is a solid pro, and he helps helps the image and what you think you will get with your younger with his younger brother tonight in the draft. I really believe that. I agree because he's matured he's matured into a good enough player, and there's so much backlash on his father. And there are times I really there's times Lavar says things and does things that I cringe like everyone else. But at the same time, I've never killed him all the way, and you know this. We've had conversations about this. I, it's hard for me to kill fathers that give a shit about their kids. Um, even if sometimes they go overboard, it's been part of sports forever. But, you know, the parent, the overbearing parent, right? The Todd Marinovich parent. We all know, we all have a friend, no matter how high we went in sports or low we went in sports, there's always been a parent at an eight-year-old soccer game or baseball game or basketball game expecting their kid to be an all-star when they really can't even dribble. LeVar is, is an oddball. And LeVar at times made us all push back on the on the on the on the ball kids, right? We would all go, I don't know. I think because of what this kid has gone through and because of what he has seen, um, he may be better than any of us think. We may make fun of him for scoring hundred in a game. We may make fun of him of that terrible jump shot his dad let him have. But he has had that, and I don't want to compare him to LeBron, Zach. Um, but he's had that zoo effect following him since he was 15 16 years old Mm -hmm. and for the most part it's not the way that we would tell most kids to get to the nba you know dropping out of high school going to you know going to any institute that would take him who knows educationally what he had learned and not learned since he was 15 years old um they've sold him to be an nba basketball player and yes he has not finished the season in about four or five years but i think just going through all of that it'll make the nba a regular nba season a piece of cake for the kid considering what he has gone through. One more thing on the balls and I'll, and I'll give it back to you. Did you see what LeVar his LeVar's like last piece of advice to LaMelo was like in the last 24, 48 hours? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. Well, it plays into one of the A to Z rules. And today I think we're going to add a rule 
But we all know there's only two things undefeated right. uh, in this world, especially in the sporting world. And I think Lavelle, uh, I think he agrees with us. He basically told his son, there ain't no way to get no girlfriend when you become a pro because all them hoes want is a check. That's his quote, not my quote. <laughs> and the first thing I thought was, well, your big mom daddy might have a point there. And he was mad at him. He signed a $100 million contract with Puma, I believe. Um, LeVar is just a strange individual. But that is the quote that he put out there. So I will ask all listening to this podcast, if you, if your son was getting ready or if you were getting ready to sign an $100 million contract and become an NBA pro, is Lavelle or Lavelle, LeVar, is LeVar Ball wrong? Is he wrong that you can't find a good girlfriend if you go into that situation in the NBA? I think I tend to agree with it. It'd be hard for me to find someone that just wants me for my for my beautiful looks and my terrible jump shot. Uh, I, I would say another thing we say, which is presentation matters. And you were exactly right on that on a long time ago on Lavar Ball maximizing his fifteen minutes. But man, yeah. it was just fifteen minutes, <laughs> right? It wasn't fifteen oh two. No, 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 no. But he made the most of it. He got his kids in the pros, yeah. like you know, like. He did, like I said, I didn't like a lot of the stuff that he did, but at the end of the day, Zach, he's got two of his three kids in the NBA. They're multi-millionaires, and he can sit back and 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 be who he is. You, you know, like I think he'll be a great case study 10, 15 years down the road. Yeah, no, it, they all will. Um, and look, we could do multiple podcasts on basketball culture, and I just want to say one more thing on the NBA, and we'll move on. Like. Last week, one of my colleagues published the top 40 or 50 high school players in America. And I'm like you. I'm so out of the loop that I don't know any of them, right? Um, Unfortunately, my brother over at Pitt Greensburg is not able to recruit top 50 players. (laughs) So I clicked on it only because the last year when we did this list, the kid from Akron, Chris Livingston, uh, was like, I don't know. He was top 15, right? I don't know if he was top 10, but he was certainly top 15. So I went on to see where he was. Then he went and played against a bunch of – then he went and played against a bunch of engineers, future engineers. Yeah. Well, anyway, this happens when you get on the athletic app. You start scrolling through. And it's like of the Mm -hmm. 40 kids, like 26 of them play high school basketball somewhere that's not their hometown. Wow. And I'm not saying that's not best for a lot of them, right? And I'm not saying they aren't getting better by doing it, but I'm just saying like we're – the system right now of how these kids go from 14 to 19. And then when they're 19 NBA teams are supposed to know who's going to handle things. Right. And who's going to be great when they're 25. It's just whack. It's just, it's damn near impossible. So it really is. I want the Cavs to be relevant and I want the Cavs to be good. Unfortunately, they've been in the headlines only because of what Kevin Porter did the other night. And quite frankly, until I saw the mugshot, I didn't know what Kevin Porter looked like, and I'm a mild basketball fan, above mild. Uh, I knew what he looked like. I feel bad for Kevin Porter. Kevin Porter, Kevin Porter is exactly what you just explained. Yes, Kevin Porter. He's 20 years old. I'm not, I'm glad you brought this up. I'm glad you brought this up. Like, and like I said, I'm admitting, I'm admitting age. I'm admitting father time. But like Kevin Porter, and you know the stories about Kevin Porter. Like I know the stories about Kevin Porter. I was hearing about Kevin Porter when he was 15, 16 years old when I'd go out to Seattle. And I do Mariners games, and they would tell me we've got we've got the next, you know. And everybody says this, but they would say we have, you know, in Seattle it was we have the next Jamal Crawford, we have the next two guard that's going to change the NBA if we can just find the right school and right place for him for him to respect and go about. The kids had the craziest life. He's been to all different schools, 
he has no base. He's 20 years old. He's a child. He has no idea what he's doing. And you know, you know what? I, like, and first thing I said, and I made somebody laugh Sunday morning. They were like, "Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Porter got arrested last night in Mahoning County." And I go, "What the hell is he doing in Mahoning County at 2 a.m.?" <laughs> like, that's the first question I have. Yeah, no, that's a general life question. Uh, that's for sure. i'll just say this two things i I think and again hearing other people talk about how the Cavs played better before the shutdown is all i know about it right um i think they're at the stage and the nba is at the stage where everybody except for select few is just an asset, right? So regardless of position and regardless of all the jokes I've made about them taking six foot guards and some of them aren't jokes, like they just need to get a good player who can be good in a couple years and become an asset for when they make a move. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's a risk of going deeper. Like when you have Kevin Love and Andre Drummond, like you're going to win a few, but you're not going to be worth a shit. (laughs) You're not going to totally be off. Right. I'm going to jump on here. Kevin. I don't think Kevin Love will be a a Cav by the end of the month. Well, that would be progress though. Correct? No doubt. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So <laughs> I um, agree with that. <laughs> the other thing is, you know, and it, it, it is weird because they are, you know, they usually the season would be three weeks old and instead they're having the draft. And then in two more weeks, things open up. It's everything's right. different this year, but like the NBA needs the off. The NBA has become what it is because of the off season. And so, I know things are difficult and things are different, but like when these trades are getting announced on Monday night at 1130 in November, that's not the NBA thriving. See, all right. I I thought it, but see, I thought of you when this was happening because I'm so out of the loop. I'm not, you're you're not wrong, but you're, you're not right either. I'm so out of the loop that I wasn't even expecting it Sunday night. You know, like I was, you know, I'd put away my second TV and put it in the basement and and, and question whether I'd work out or not. And then when I start seeing the tweet, I kind of got excited. Like when I started, like in a weird way, I was like, "Man, I get July fourth. I get July first right now." I mean, it didn't have the same pop to it, so you're right. But it did. It was one of those moments. It's just like anything else that we've dealt with this year for me, Zach. You know, it's one of those things of well, I'm used to getting you know college football now, but I don't get it until you know what I mean. So it was like when it happened, it was like it gave me like 15 minutes of excitement. Then I was like, "All right, I'm tired. I'm going to bed." (laughs) It caught me off guard though. That's what I'll say. Like, I was just kind of like, why is Sam's – I'm like, why are these two tweeting right now? And I'm like, oh, NBA – like, that's 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 kind of where I'm at with all sports, though, to be honest. I'm caught off guard on everything that's coming right now. All right, so we, we try to avoid on this show extremely hot takes and extremely uninformed takes. But as we transition out, I'm going to ask you this. Uh-oh. Two, two questions and, and short answers. I know that's tough for you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> James Harden, question one. James Harden to the Nets. You got to pick one. Extremely bad idea or extremely good idea? Uh, extremely bad idea. Okay, I, I think that too. So, which leads <laughs> me to this. Any other team, any other of the 28 teams trading for James Harden? Extremely bad idea or extremely good idea? Extremely good idea. Really? Uh, yeah, I just, I mean... James Harden, here's my question back to you on this. Is James Harden willing to not be James? Wait, which James Harden am I trading for? The well, sixth man of the year? The kid, the guy that was just finding out how good he could be in this league? Or a guy that was allowed to play? I mean, he was basically, he got the LaMelo ball treatment. The LeVar gave him that 15 in Houston. And, I, and it's almost like and it's almost like now he realizes 
well, we can't win this way. I've won all my awards. I've gotten all my shoe contracts. I can turn down a two-year, $101 million contract and not even blink at it, which is a whole other story and a whole other time for us to do on the podcast. That guys can turn down $100 million over two years, and people were like, that's a good idea. That's insane in its own right. Um, is this a coming to Jesus moment for James? Uh, I'm never going to win, and I'm going to screw over Steven Silas, who finally gets a job after busting his tail all of his life, and you don't even give him the opportunity because you realize that you're going to have to play normal basketball. I've heard there's other reasons he wants to leave Houston that I'm not going to get into right now because I just, I'm not in the mood to tweet with idiots, but it comes in with the owner and where the owner's money goes. And I've heard other players having that same problem, but that's, that's life right now. I wonder if James, James Harden, if like, all right, what if James Harden really wants to be moved because he realizes he wants to win a championship? Are we still belittling guys for doing that? Yeah, I know he you raise a great question, but he, the immediate answer is that's not true. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> well, 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 okay. Well, why would you want to do it? Because in Houston, he's had, I mean, he's been given carte blanche. Like what other reason would he want to leave other than the reason I, I've had, I've sure. been told, but I'm not going to say right now. No. What other reason would he want to leave? Yeah. Well, no, that's those, those are great questions. I, I, I guess as we talked just briefly before we came on the air, we wanted to have these discussions, not as a way for us to have any incredible insight or make a certain point, but just no. to kind of talk about the state of pro sports, right? Right. Like for sure. And the layers of uncertainty with baseball free agency and the NFL salary cap, which directly pertains mm. to a Cleveland Browns team that's finally looks like it's building something, right? Like we yeah. just don't know. Um, I totally think that the NBA will eventually be back maybe as soon as early 2021, maybe as soon as Christmas 2020 and people having conversations and getting excited about it. The Warriors are going to be back in a big way, right? Yeah. You're, yeah, you're finally going to get to see Kyrie and Kevin Durant play together what, instead of just talking about it. Like, you know, right. maybe the Cavs will be exciting. Maybe they will give the common fan reasons to watch. I don't know. I, I Again, no, no, none of my point here was to try to diss the Cavs uh, whatsoever. But, like, you just mentioned the shoe contract, and I'm not the person to answer with James Harden. I'm not the person to answer this because I buy dad shoes at Outlet Malls, and that's it. But, like, <laughs> does anybody know what his shoe even looks like? People in Houston do. Kids do. We're out of that bracket. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I know what you're but, saying. But the kids I'm around, yeah. the kids I'm around have the Kyrie's and the like. I've never heard of James Harden one time. I guarantee the kids you're around. I'm, I guarantee if we went to your brother's basketball practice, they know what the James Harden. Okay. We just don't. That's fair. We don't care. We're That's why I'm asking. We're out of I, I, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not an Adidas guy, but and I'm not a big. Congratulations. Yeah, I think the youngest. <laughs> what's that? What did you say? I missed it. <laughs> I said, congrats, Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> That's Inside joke, sorry. <laughs> yes, that was a good one. That's a good one. Okay, look, wait, wait. I got to ask you these questions back, and we're going to talk Browns. Don't worry, people. Um, I want to flip it. What do you make of the James Harden trait? And, and the Russell Westbrook. I mean, we both knew it wasn't going to work. Like, that's not the shocker in this, right? We, like, like when that, when that went across, I was like, and? I mean, can Russell – all right, let me ask you this. Because I'm more concerned – not concerned. I think Russell Westbrook, for as, as asinine as he plays and seems me-oriented as hell, the, the one thing I love about him, and I've heard Kobe Bryant say it before he passed away, I've heard Jordan say this about him, most old-school players – 
don't agree with everything he does, but everybody loves the intention he plays with and how hard he plays and how he doesn't try to be anybody's best friend on the other team. There is something about Russell Westbrook, in my opinion, Zach, in the right situation could turn a crap team into a playoff team, and that says something. I don't think he's a champion per se, but I think he could change a franchise like per se Charlotte maybe. Yeah, no, he goes somewhere and he could give a dead franchise life. Yes. Right. Whether that trades tonight or in a week or in two months. Um, it's a separate argument, you know, can he win it? And, and frankly, the NBA is still at that point where probably only four teams can win it. And, yeah, and that's good and bad. Sure. We've had that discussion too, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's what's good in the NFL right now is there's still the Mahomes galaxy to me. But, like, who would you pick to win the NFC right now? You could name six uh, teams. Good question. Yeah. You well, could name six teams. Okay. Is this a good – wait, wait, wait. But is that because they're all good teams or all because they're all about the same? And I well, like that. I love that. I think all right. six of those teams have quarterbacks good enough to win. Yeah, is new. See, I'm still not sold, and I love Drew Brees, and I know he's banged up now. Um, it depends. See, this is – hey, the Browns have showed us the last two weeks why home field advantage is so important. Yeah. Because in the NFC, and I'm thinking off the top of my head, if New Orleans gets home field or if it's in L.A., then the, I think the Saints have a legitimate chance to represent the NFC. But if they have to if go to Green go to Bay, back, they don't. Right? Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I get what you're saying there. And look, the, these last two Browns games have been – you know, completely made it completely unable to evaluate the quarterback, which is what the season's all about. But it's played to the Browns' mm-hmm. strengths, and it's been a reminder that it ain't going to get any more pleasant, right? You might get a decent weather wow. game this weekend, but the next time you play at home after this is a Monday night in mid-December. <laughs> what do you think that – it's only from – from where we park and where we exit the stadium now due to COVID regulations, Dre, it's only about a 100 to 150-yard walk for me from the gate to my car and it's seven o'clock just the other night and i thought during that walk how did anybody play football in this i know i know just just i wasn't getting blown over because a because i'm 30 pounds overweight and b because my backpack weighs 30 (laughs) pounds too like (laughs) but just the process uh, of getting there getting the car unlocked getting stuff dumped in you know Taking a gander around, like, I thought, oh, how was a sport played in this today? Right. I mean, you heard the head coach say, I, uh, well, pelt- I got pelted in the face with hail. Other than that, everything was okay. <laughs> like, right. It, it is unbelievable. I'm glad you brought up your lack of push-ups after, in the beginning of COVID, talking about you're about to be the push-up king. I'm glad you admitted that that only lasted about three days uh, in the article that you wrote. What you know, in my life besides thing. this podcast has ever lasted for more than three days? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good inside joke too. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think. I think it's pretty much out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good, good point. Good point. Yeah, it's pretty much out there. Um, yeah, you know, like, what if they played today though? Like today, here's and here's the conundrum on the Cleveland Browns and playing to this weather. It has been fascinating, and I give, I give. I give the coach, Stefanski, so much credit for he got better. Like that Raiders game, they weren't prepared for what they had to deal with. And that's, in, that's unexcusable when you're the Cleveland Browns head coach 
you have to be prepared to play a certain way in the weather in Cleveland. And, you know, I just got to say the Raiders played better than them. In it. And that was, you know, I took phone calls that Monday afterwards and that Thursday night. And you get the old school coaches, they're old school people that call in and go, hey, you know, they're mad. They're like, hey, they're the Cleveland Browns. They should be used to it. And I'm like, sir, how many of these guys do you think playing the Cleveland Browns helmet actually live in Cleveland and never been around this weather? Like, it was, yeah. it was new for them. It, it was absolutely new for me. You could tell how they played. But I give him credit. Looking, he, he filled Dawson it last week. They knew that the schedule, they knew that the weather was going to be bad come Sunday, and they looked prepared for it, Zach. And they were prepared. And they were look the Houston Texans. They had they had two or three things against them. Number one, they are not built to play in that type of weather, and that's why we bring up the weather in football teams and playoff teams. They're not built for it. They're built to have a, you know even if they had David Johnson, their offensive line isn't built for it. They're, David Johnson when he's not hurt, and that's always he he's a mutter. He could probably be a mutter. Duke Johnson's a third down, a, a really, really good third down back that can play all three downs, but not on a playoff team, most likely. Romeo Cornell should be coaching the local Wadsworth 12 year old team and bringing po- kids. Bring will be kids. No, you're right. Kids they, will be kids. Not only I were they Romeo. ready, but that was the perfect team to play against in that weather. Yeah. Right? Yes. Romeo, they can't run. Their I defense sucks. Over. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Romeo is, 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 great, is a great man, but he, he should not be making decisions. On when to kick, how to kick, and he—it's just—it's past him, and I love him. It's just past him. And how about I called out the no mas on Romeo during the game and the tweet to you, and that ended up being one of the final play calls of the game with no mas yes. <laughs> in it. Um, <laughs> so this game set up perfect for him. This was the perfect game out of the bye. They looked healthier. The guys that they needed to look more healthy, Miles Garrett. Um, that's the best Kareem Hunt, in my opinion. As a, that's the best Kareem Hunt has looked in a Browns uniform, even over last year. He was decisive in the hole. He picked his holes well. He looked like the best running back. And we know he's not the best running back on the Browns. And that's no hit towards him because the other guy's the best in the league, in my opinion. Um, that that look that they gave on Sunday, and you wrote this pretty well yesterday, so I'm glad we did I'm glad I did fall asleep and we didn't talk yesterday. <laughs> um, they have the formula, Zach, to be a cold weather team. If Wyatt Teller can stay healthy. And you can get the production you got out of those two running backs, and you keep them healthy. It made the defense look better. The defensive stats make them look like a, a mid-15, you know, defense. We all know that they're not, but you take advantage of it. But the point that I was making at the beginning of this, the conundrum of being the Cleveland Browns and trying to figure out if six is your guy long term, because that's always a part of the conversation, is you could have the weather you had on Sunday, or you could have the weather you have today. Yeah. And if you have the weather today where it's, what, 45, 50 degrees, 50 degrees, no wind. It's beautiful. Um, you got a different game against the Texans. You're going to have to score 30 probably against them on Sunday if the weather's like it was today. Can that no guy doubt. consistently do that? And here, you know, here's – and I, I'm curious to this. I meant to ask this to somebody. I was, I was talking to Chris Monday, and I was going to ask him this. Here's the thing that I would love to ask Kevin Stefanski on the, on the record, off the record. How willing is and, – and you watch just as much football as I do. How willing is a guy like Kevin Stefanski to run the ball that many, many times in good weather or in a game that's 14 to seven or, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? How many coaches yeah. do we see go um, away from the run when they're down seven? And it drives me crazy. But like that proved to me, that proved on Sunday, Zach, if you keep running those two running backs, it's just like, it's, it's like, it's like a heavyweight fight. You punching up on a defense with those type of running backs in your line, you're going to break a big one sooner or later. But how many coaches are willing to keep calling that? if the weather's not bad or if you're not winning the game, if they're not yeah. in a tie game, that's well, what drives me crazy. No, you're, you're right. And, and you have to, like I kept saying, 
you know, November and December is the games we're going to remember, right? Um, yeah. If you're built for that, like, you'll give yourself a chance. And you got Miles Garrett, and he's giving you a chance. I mean, you've won six games, and in all six of them, he's made a game-changing play. He, he's he's awesome, right? I don't know that he can beat out Aaron Donald or TJ Watt, and I don't know that any of that shit matters because people vote on those awards, and who cares, right? If the Browns win 12, right. yes, he can win Defensive Player of the Year. He's a beast. He's him and Donald are the best two defensive players he, he's I've a beast. seen in the last five years. Yeah. I, I would say that I would say this is an encouraging thing. Look at the Cowboys' struggles. Look at the Ravens right now searching. They've had offensive yeah. line issues. If you're built yep. on both lines, you're built to last. You don't know what a season's yep. going to bring, COVID or no COVID, right? Injuries right. and bounces, and and this is how the wind has affected things. Bef- even before last week's game, Dre. Because they've played those wild games early in the year with the Bengals and the Cowboys, they were actually averaging more points or giving up more points to losing teams than they were to winning teams. Wow. Now, some of that is the Cowboys or the Steelers and Ravens beat them so bad they ramped down on them. Right. right? So we have seen the Browns. Like, we know in dry weather this defense is so bad that the Browns probably have to beat you 37-34. We've seen it. But we've also seen now the Browns have two games – of pivotal experience in this weather. And that really should serve them well going forward. And you can debate the elements and debate the things. You got Nick Chubb. You got Wyatt Teller. I mean, I know Parky's on the COVID list, but he's been pretty damn good. Like, you know, all of a sudden you get away with with playing only three corners. All of a sudden you get away with only playing one safety, right? Because that's all you got on your yeah, roster is right. one. Like, right. that, that shit helps you. And, and yeah. I, I think – Stefanski has, and he'd be the first to tell you he's not done a perfect job, but I think he's done a good job of managing games and keeping guys ready. And, you know, we talked for weeks because it did feel like it hit a lull. The Browns did not have any COVID in their building at all until the bye week, from the first week of camp until the bye week. And they had guys on the list they never got in the building. But, like, I've talked about it just how people in the league say it wears on you every single day when you come in and you don't know. You might yep. get sent home. You might have to come back to practice two hours later than normal. You might not have practice at all. You you might get sent home, as a couple guys did last week, just because of where your locker is, right? Like, right. it's tough, but they, they're they they're well-positioned. And as for the quarterback, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. He certainly has not been bad, um, and he's not awful by any means. He's certainly done nothing outside of the Bengals game to show you that he's great, and he's not. He, he does he does not have the skills that the elite ones have. But you start to, to weigh the realities of things here. And it doesn't matter if you're optimistic Baker person or pessimistic Baker person. You can see where these roads converge, where the Browns just continue to build a team where the quarterback just has to be there and not much else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, that, you know, and, that's, and it goes off of what we've talked about all year long, uh, whether it was the Steelers game where he, made the, where he had to pick early. Or whether it's the Cincinnati game where he makes the game-winning, you know, the game-winning drive, and we always make the joke about the cockpit. Um, the, the beautiful thing that the Browns have done is that, and I, and I had to talk about this with Rizzo after the game on Sunday. But you know, if you don't have the quote-unquote franchise quarterback, that means the other ten guys on offense have to have to call their weight a little bit more. When you have the franchise quarterback, you can get away with not having other little elements of the team. I'll give you an example. Thank you for breaking down in your athletic article um how many times the eighth guy's been in the box without 13 on the field 
Yeah. Now, part of that equation, and, and I'm learning new math right now with my, as I'm teaching my daughter virtually, and she told me I don't know how to do it, and she's right, <laughs> and only her mom can do it. And it's something to have an eight-year-old put you in your place about math. And I was like, well, I can tell you the answer. And she goes, you can tell me the answer, but you can't tell me the right way. And she's right. This new math is bullshit. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Put that on your gravestone. <laughs> this new math is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Put that on my It is bullshit. Um, but I'm glad you took that number and you put that number out there. Both the Texans and Raiders have been very aggressive with putting that eighth guy in the box. And as you should. And why would you not? Mm-hmm. My question is, um, I don't know if it's not even a question. At some point in time, you know, I can have the argument that the run game is better with Odell because Odell keeps the guy out of the box. That I, I will, I'll go to my grave with that. With this weather, suddenly Odell, I'm not saying he's expendable, and I'm not saying that they don't need him. I'm just curious that would that safety, with wind or not wind, you can't line up every play with 13 on the field and not have a safety over the It's top. a question we can't right? answer now because the wind has made it to where they don't even have to think about it. But it's right, a question right, that along these next right. four games is going to come into play, right? At some point in time, yeah. At some point in time, we're going to have to see them in a normal game. Yeah. And when I say normal, weather. And let's see how aggressive teams are to put that eighth guy in the box. Now, the one thing that Stefanski did to, to counteract that for people that got smart ass with me on Twitter because they think they know it all. And I'm like, well, no, you can put the eighth guy in the box when Stefanski basically says, okay, if you're going to eight man box this, we're going to put two or three tight ends out there and just have one receiver out there. Mm-hmm. And that's all, you know, and that's, Hey, you and I grew up on offenses like that at Manchester and St. V where basically you just go by, you go, you know, you go, you go body and body. What are they going to do? Like we keep having these conversations, all of us, but sooner or later they're going to get a normal game. And we know what 80 is. We, I love him, even though he's got to stop getting stupid penalties and catch the football. And just yes, that's inexclu- inexcusably yes. stupid. Yes, yes, and he's not, and he's not stupid. But it, what he did was stupid. Um, who is that second receiver that gives them something, or are they just going to have to be a double tight? You know what I like? Are they going to have to gimmick it up at some point in time? They're going to have to go two or three wide receivers, aren't they? Z? Yeah. Um... We're going to find out. Now, I think the first answer is, you, like you just said, you just keep running, right? And, and you run and you yeah. screen and you run and you end around. And, you you know, you <laughs> make them guard the tight ends off play action and stuff like that. So, we'll see. As um, far as varying opinions, though, and as far as projections, we have arrived somewhere, Dre, I think, with the Cleveland Browns that we haven't arrived in a long time. And, no, I'm not talking about 6-3 and because they were that six years ago. Right, and and even though it feels like 60 years ago, it was only six years ago. Um, and no, I'm not talking about the playoffs because even just two years ago, they were theoretically at least in the playoff race, um, you know, coming down the stretch of the season to where we're just coming now. But I think with Twitter arguers and podcasters and everybody that's got an opinion, I think we're kind of at a consensus that, like, the Browns are interesting, right? The Browns are progressing. The Browns are really good in the areas of Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett and Wyatt Teller. And, like, the Browns just aren't good enough yet. And that proof is there, and we'll see these couple really big games down the stretch. But, like, I think we've kind of got a consensus opinion that, hey, this is where the Browns are. It's good, and let's see what happens. We, we, we never have had that. No doubt. No doubt. It's, it's the beauty of it. It's. It's changed. I'll admit. I mean, I've done that red zone show in Sports Time Ohio, 
for 2020. Hell, I've done it for 14 years, 14, 15 years. And I will say the shows are, are the most odd that they've ever been because of what you just said. Like, we're not fighting about the quarterback. We're not fighting about a new, if we, who we want the new coach to be. We're not fighting about who we think the number one pick should be next year. We're just talking about a solid football team. Like, God bless them. This is awesome. Yeah. But it changes conversations because our regular go-tos aren't necessary right now. And it's pretty cool. But I'll admit it makes the job a little harder because a lot of the conversations are we all agree with each other. You know, that we're a good team. Yeah. I can't wait to see them play next week. I can't wait to see how they how they use the running backs. I can't wait. Like that, and for all of us, that is a huge step forward in football fandom in Northeast Ohio. You have well, a, not you having Janovich for at least one game, which we assume is is in play right now. Yep. Do they just move the tight ends around? Do they call up the I practice squad right fullback? I, I saw you right. No, no, no. I saw you right that, and I had I got to go deep on you on this. I remember bringing this up when we had Lawrence Vickers. And Deke is very strong on this. And I, and anything blocking, I go to Deke. Anything cigars, stumbling and calling you his little bitch, I agree with. Um, Deke has always said you got to be careful putting tight ends as your all-day fullback. You can hide and do it every once in a while. And I know you showed that in your article how many times uh, both the tight ends have been in the backfield. But when you try to get them to kick out or try to iso block a linebacker, most tight ends are too tall. Yeah. They stand up too straight, and they can't make those blocks. So a fullback usually, stop, like the ones they have, usually what five eleven, six foot, yeah. can get underneath the pads of a, of a of a linebacker or a DN to kick them out or iso block them. You can't rely on that with six foot three, six foot four tight ends. You can give them looks, but you can't go into goal line situations and put a tight end per se in that position. So, so what I think they're going to do is I think they're going to play Dearness Johnson as a fullback a little bit. Okay, yeah, what, that will work. What it might lead to is a little of Chubb and Hunt together, and we haven't seen that. We've maybe seen it on a couple of plays, but we haven't seen yeah, they it. Tried it. Yeah, they, they tried one last week with a trick of play, and it, like, it was too much. And, and the funny thing is, because I pay attention to the little stuff, and I, and I rewind, the funny is they had that one reverse they had to Hunt last week that you're talking about with both of them on the field, and the crazy part was um, Chubb was trying to get out of the game. Chubb, like, had touched, touched the top of his helmet. He was tired. He had ran, like, three plays in a row. And he was running off, and you can see Stefanski like, no, 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 go back in. This play, like, and they can't read lips obviously because of mask. But when I saw the play, I kind of chuckled. It was like Stefanski was dead set; he was going to run that play with both of them on the field. And it was like, Chubb, just be out there. You're, you're a guy, You're part of the gadget. And the play didn't work. And I remember thinking, man, run that play when they're both ready. Don't run it just because it's in, it's in your script to run right there. Um, and in saying that, I love Nick Chubb. He is. I've said it on his podcast. I've said it on radio, TV. I think he is. He he is what a Cleveland Brown should be. To take away from Mike Pettin when he used to put up signs all over about what what is yeah. you know play like a Brown, and we all just thought of a dog taking a crap on the fifty yard line because we didn't know what playing like a Brown meant. But now Mike Pettin, you, we have a picture of what play like a Brown looks like, and he's he's Nick Chubb. I've said this to other people, and and your boy, um, Scotty Petrak, who I love, took me off my limb a little bit on this, but. Can we all? Can we? Can I just say without uh, without Twitter fights or anything else, Nick Chubb running out of bounds in that last play was not the phenomenon that it was made out to be. Because it, in my opinion, if you lose the game up ten under a minute and the other team's got no timeouts and Romeo Cornell's the head coach, you should be fired and your team should get to move wherever they want to move. <laughs> I know. However, it was, it's great. It's, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go me and Jeannie on this. The reason oh, it's good. That's what Petrak brought up. You <laughs> no, the, the reason it's good is because 
it protects your guys from having to go back out. Yes. Yes. It protects about, it takes all the bullshit. You're right. The Texans weren't coming back. Not in that wind. Not when Romeo was their coach, not anything, but the bullshit factor that lingers out there, it takes it out of the equation. You get to go home. Browns came out healthy, right? Guys are hurt. Guys are limping because it was an NFL game full of violent collisions, right? No significant injuries. No more 10 pointless snaps for miles. No more 10 pointless snaps for Denzel Ward, right? No chance. Will Fuller gets behind you, right? Like no doubt, no doubt. Live to play another day. I agree with that part. I agree. That, and you're, I, I could never say you know what. You know what Reg used to tell oh. me and my brother about drinking? Oh, I love a Reggie. Yeah, give it to me. He, he, he would go full to wine and, and, and institute a curfew that really wasn't. And his reasoning would be live to drink another day. Yeah. That's, and that's great. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. And I'm glad you brought up Reg. That's great. I'm going to remember that one forever because that's a tough one for us. Um, Reds was not coached in his day, and I know the guys he played with, and I hear war stories about your dad and how he played. And, the, and when he played in the City Series, real men played in the City Series, and they probably smoked cigarettes that they got from their coach or their dad, and that was okay. We were never coached to not score. We were coached to kick your team, other team's butt and to kick that other team's butt. And I guess we're just at that, that, that threshold where, yeah, it sensibly made more sense to run out of bounds because you didn't have to run any more plays that could have hurt anybody. No doubt. No doubt. But it's just not how most of us were taught, Zach. Most of us were taught to attack, 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 attack. And and you deal with the consequences at the yeah, end of the day. But I don't I, – I'm glad you brought this up. I don't think there's wrong with – anything wrong with football being a little bit smarter. Right? And sure. I just think, like, again – the Browns are not winning the Super Bowl this year, and they never were. And I hope they make the playoffs, and I'm going to close the podcast with a thought on why it's extra important to make the playoffs that I want everyone to file away. But you are seeing an organization run like a real organization. And today they had to put the kicker on the COVID list. And all season long they've kept an extra kicker. Last week they played in a fucking monsoon. And they got – and they – they quit throwing the ball and they used their backs and they used their offensive line and they won. Like they're making smart decisions. And that is so starkly different than what it's been. And that's, what's encouraging. I don't know what's going to happen with the defensive line and it has to be better. I don't know that the offensive line can stay healthy and stay out of COVID and stay all that, but man, it's good. And that's how you're built to stay. Of course you're going to sign Nick Chubb because you just said it. He is everything you want to be and you're full of shit if you preach smart, tough, accountable, and don't sign that guy, the, the hour you can yeah. sign him, right? No doubt. But, like, in terms of just being a relevant, living, breathing organization that gives yourself a chance to win before you factor in luck and which pick did you miss on and which guy did you not sign and which guy did you did sign, if you consistently make smart decisions, you consistently give yourself a chance to thrive. They've been so far away from it for so long, and now they got a chance. All right, let me give you three questions before we get out of here. First one. With the NBA draft tonight, we mentioned both of these characters earlier uh, in this program. If you had to trade for one of them, who would you rather have on your team, Harden or Westbrook? Westbrook, no doubt. Me too. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. I, I I totally agree. Um, I hope that whole Nets mess happens. 
because we all know Kyrie is not going to make that work for anybody. That's why that won't work. Kyrie will be moved. Hey, can I say Chris Paul going to the Phoenix Suns? I think is going to be kind of cool, and he will get them in the playoffs and they'll lose in the first round because that's what they do, what he does. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be – I love Hall of, uh, Hall of Fame talk. I got I love the Hall of Fame talk. We already did this on, uh, on the quarterback of the Colts. Chris Paul, like the NBA Hall of Fame is so goofy to me. Like Chris Paul is a Hall of Famer, I guess, right? But he's never – and it's not all just on one player. But, dude, like, I hear all these people making him out like he's Isaiah, you know, the second coming of Isaiah Thomas, the real one, not the little guy. I don't know. I think my, I think he might be, Dre. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think as he's gotten older, he has gotten – he has played with such a comfort level of who he is in True. his command of the game. And, I, I mean, I don't think that the Suns win the title because of him, but I think that qualifies as the next step up, not because of his name, not because you thought about the Phoenix Suns for five seconds, but you know because he's going to get them better shots. He's going to make Aiton okay. learn how to play the pick and roll and learn how to play defense, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, you're right. Yeah. There's such no value no in no that. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I just, you're, every, you're right. I like Chris Paul, and I'll give him credit because he does something a lot of younger guards listen to this. Chris Paul showed us way back when he was 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, he can score. Like, remember, I wait for, like, he can score 40 if he wants. Mm-hmm. He is one of the last true point guards of our, of our generation back. He's one of the last guys that understands he really is. I, I'm funny I was saying that, and I'm almost going against my own words. He really is the new age Isaiah Thomas. He can score at will if he wants to, but he understands how important it is to get everyone else involved, and he will do it. And if you need him to score, he will score. All right, my second question. Go back to the NFL. We had the game of games this past week. Who would have thought? Only in 2020 are the Browns 6-3. and three. Uh, Does Kent State score 69 and win every game that they play in football? And the game of the week was the Cardinals and the Bills, and it lived up to everything it was supposed to live up to. Here's my question. We have a case of about four young quarterbacks, four young, fun quarterbacks that I'm, I'm loving watching. We have Kyler, as tall as me. If Tony Grossi was here, he'd call him a midget Murray. We have Tua, who's in Miami. We got Justin Herbert, who just cut his hair and looks like he's 15 years old. Wait till you see the picture. It just happened. You're going to laugh your ass off, Zach. And then you have Josh Allen. Those four quarterbacks. Um, I'm going to make Zach Jackson put them in the order of how he wants them going forward. If you're picking a team, you're drawing up a team for 2021. And I say those are the four choices at quarterback. What do you do? I want Kyler without much hesitation at the top of the list. Oh, way to go, Chubby Grossy. I just don't know if he can – I don't know if he can – I just don't know if – I just don't know if he will have those wheels for 10 years. He is unbelievable. He's a video game. He, He's a video game. Finally correct, yes. Somebody finally correctly put a tagline for me. Um, They're, they basically said he is what Doug Flutie would have been if people would have let Doug Flutie be what he was back in the day. I'm going to be honest. I have not seen – Except for highlights, any of Tua in the NFL. That's just how it's worked. Tua's big, hey man, his touch is phenomenal. Let me let me brag about it for a minute. Miami, hey, they're a hey, great turnaround by Miami, by the way. They're a legit football team. That coach can coach. Uh, the defense has played out of their mind. The Browns never should have got rid of that defensive end. Uh, he makes a play every single week now for them. Tua's not. You know what Miami has done, Zach? For, I mean, I'm saying this to somebody who just watched highlights. They aren't relying on Tua at all. 
it's a little bit like what we're seeing in Cleveland. Yeah. They just have the perfect setup for Tua right now is what I would say. Well, and, and that's what you should do with a rookie QB. Right? And the team is just Absolutely. trying to find its way. Um, right. No doubt. I, listen, I, I think the world of Joe Burrow, you know that. I think Kyler's a little yeah. bit better right now. I'm not sold on Josh Allen, and I never was. Really? Um, okay. okay. But there's no denying his talent. And every time I see him play, I think of the second day of senior bowl practice. Uh, Dustin and I usually would sit in, in the same corner, right, and watch. And obviously Baker and Josh Allen were there, and they were on the same team. And so we were watching them closely because it's the year the Browns had the number one pick. And, like, you know, he was from Wyoming, and he was young, and he was wild and all this stuff. And, like, in that setting, you know, they don't know anybody. They don't know the coaches. They're getting all this. It's it's very difficult setting. But there were a couple of throws that he would make, and it wasn't just the people I was sitting with. You would see other people in the stands looking around like, did that just happen? Like, did he really yeah. just throw that 40 yards on the line the way that he did? You know, you know yeah. and then the next one, of course, would miss the guy by 15 yards, right? <laughs> but, like, I, he is so young and so athletic and with the right people calling the plays and being around him and obviously going to get Stephon Diggs was a great investment by that team. Yes. You know, having yes. Cole Beasley, who's just going to run to the right place every time, right? Like, like I, I think his ceiling is pretty high. I, I don't know that he can ever win a Super Bowl, but I feel like he can – raise a franchise near yeah. that level near well I'll, I'll say this he's still inaccurate but he's accurate enough yeah. and i think because of that arm strength that he has and the athletic ability he has you can live with him not being as accurate as you need someone the size of, of and i'm not beating up the guy in cleveland i'm not but you can get away with it when you're josh allen when you're 6'4 yeah. 220 225 he he josh allen in my opinion and you know, I'm, in my household, we make no fun of Mahomes. I got many Mahomes in my own house. <laughs> strongest arm in the NFL belongs to Josh Allen. His arm strength is unbelievable, Zach. It really, and I should have put, you're right, I should have put Joey Burrows in this conversation. Um, I guess what I'm really getting at more than anything else, the NFL, for as goofy as 2020 is, the NFL's in pretty good hands quarterback wise. Because as you think about it, over the last, you know, three, four years, You've lost Peyton Manning. You're going to lose Tom Brady here at some point in time. Uh, and the kid, and the kid with the Chargers, um, he's he's good. I'm just going to flat out say it. He yeah, no, he's fun. Really I mean, he he is really fun to watch. There is no question. Yes, about it. yes, we are, and that's all I'm guess I'm getting at. We are in a good place with young quarterbacks, and that is fun to say. It's fun to see. Ben Roethlisberger looks better than ever, and the Steelers have four number one wide receivers. That's another scary thing. I'm praying to God, and you kind of hinted at this in your article. I am praying that we get a Steelers 15 and 0 versus a Browns team oh, be that's fun, trying to get it? in the playoffs. Yes, I mean that is that that's what TV is made for. If we can get there and COVID doesn't take out the whole world first, yeah. Um, and that leads me to my last question. You have been pretty strong in the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs in 2020 21. Mm-hmm. As we sit right now, there are six teams in the AFC, the American Football Conference, that sit at six and three for three spots. As a betting man, or what do you call the corner in your pregame preview of the game? Degenerate corner, yes. In a degenerate corner, yes. As I come to you in your degenerate corner, 
How strongly do you still feel about the Orange Helmets possibly playing a 17th game in 2021? I, I would take it right now because I think they're going to win really? this weekend and I think they're going to beat the Jaguars. The Raiders and the Dolphins play each other. The Dolphins still play the Chiefs. Everybody's going on these journeys. I think I'm still saying yes. Am I putting my own money on it? No. But to answer your question right now, with very, very little hesitation, I'm saying yes right now on November, whatever day it is. Degenerate Corners has spoken. I mentioned last week, you did say the boys in Vegas, the numbers have turned a little bit after being very strong on the Browns' possibilities to make the playoffs. They went a little lower last week. Well, they watched the Raiders game, I mean. that Listen, the Browns' <laughs> defense is still awful, guys. It still is. Yeah. The, the wind has helped it, uh, and it's helped the numbers significantly. But, man, right. it still stinks. Sandejo's still playing well, percent of the snaps. The linebackers are yeah, not let, Right, right. Let me say this about the other competitors, because I've been able to watch them. Um, Baltimore is free-falling. Their injuries are hurting them. Like, we can talk about the quarterback, but the injury, you mentioned it. Their offensive line deep. They're missing their left tackle. is one of the best in the game. Calais, Calais Campbell. Who's the other big run stopper? Uh, Brandon Williams, the number one run stuffer, yeah. Right. They just they don't look the same. I'm telling you, the Raiders may be better than we think they are, Zach. That's the one thing I'll say after – now, they play Kansas City this weekend on Sunday Night Football, and they've already beat Kansas City. And there's already a, a, lot, a lot of shit getting stirred about doing a lap in Kansas City. And I love it because Gruden came out and he was like, with a bus drive. And, I've, and, I gotta, and I'm going to take Gruden's side on this. I've been on buses now um, in baseball and football where bus drivers get a little cocky and, and talk mess to coaches. And the teams are like, well, this is going to be a tough day here in Kansas City for you. Mm. I don't blame the Raiders for shoving it back up that bus driver's ass. No, I think that's a great story. Look, I love how Gruden wouldn't go into detail, but he addressed it, and then he acted like he didn't want to talk about it at all. Right. Like, you know why I love it, Dre? Because this shit's supposed to be fun, right? Yes. And, like, if you, you know, you being Joe bus driver in Kansas City, maybe you should shut your mouth, but who cares, right? Who the fuck's John Gruden? He's a person like everybody else. Right. Exactly. Like, exactly. You know what? It, it, it's like it's so much like it's supposed to be fun. I love that story. I think the Chiefs put 90 on them if they got their dudes. So, yes, I'll be watching that game. Is, is that a Sunday? I didn't know that was a Sunday night game. I'm glad it is. I'm pretty sure. It's, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, Miami is six and three. We've talked about them. The best story about about them. And, and, I, and I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, but I'm just my point to ask you about the Browns. You went scheduled hopping. I think Miami's schedule is easier because I look at the rest of their division and they've got New England, who's a toss-up, and New England will end up 9-7 and seven or 8-8. Eight and eight. The Jets can't get yeah, out of their I mean, own look, way. Brown, Browns and New England right now would be a toss-up game if they were playing this weekend. It would be a toss-up game. Yep. Right? Yeah, no um, doubt. No doubt. So we'll see. All right, couple, couple things before we get out of here. One, what I'm watching this weekend, obviously Saturday at noon, I'm watching Ohio State-Indiana, and I just think the off week Indiana last week – <laughs> Justin Fields is no longer the favorite to win the Heisman. You know, Indiana's got that top 10 ranking attached to him. I just think you're going to see the Buckeyes and Fields specifically come out for blood. I think it's going to be must-see TV. But Friday night – It's going to be 70 to 50. Friday night, um, (laughs) I'm going to be watching the Maslin-Hoban state title game. You you need the Spectrum app or you can pay for it if you don't. It's going to be real high-level football. You know I did the Maslin story – it's it's two really good teams. I, I think Hoban has five dudes that are going power five. Um, Maslin has almost that many. Um, it's really good. And, you know, all the tradition and what lingers over Maslin, if you know anything, if you listen to our last podcast or if you know anything about it, um, you know, maybe this is the year they get it done. This is the third straight year these teams have played. So, you know, what, 
it's it's gonna it's played in a soccer practice facility two hours from here. Only fifteen hundred can go. It's the weirdest year ever. They've made it to the end, and we'll see what happens. And so all that really matters um, is those kids going to get out there and play in every kid's dream, the state championship. And so, you know, they're representing the twenty seven communities and in, in the seven counties that the two teams represent. And then we'll we'll see who wins. Yeah, I hope they got players from other states. And we'll see if Maslin um, is still the city of Maslin is still standing on Saturday morning. Very last thought. Ain't no, ain't no curfew in Massillon, boy. <laughs> there, there won't be. If we were a little bit younger, buddy. Woo! Yeah. Dwight, uh, I, I got six letters for you. T.I. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hold them down, Dwight. Right. Here's um, my last thought. And I'm not saying this is going to happen. And I'm not trying okay. to derail any Browns positive vibes. And I'm not trying to say that getting there, if they don't get there, that it's – that it stunts any future progress because it really doesn't, even though I think playing a game in January would be huge. The Pretty clear that the scheduling gods have helped the Browns, right? No doubt. It's pretty clear that the Browns have a couple of great players and a bunch of really good ones, and they're getting somewhere. I just think, and I want everyone to file this away, I just think it's so important that they get to the playoffs, regardless of what happens from there, what their draw is. Does Nick Chubb run for 400 on somebody? Do they lose by 27 because they can't cover the pass? I don't know. I'm not saying any of that. But where they are now, I think it's so important that they get there because it's been a 19-year playoff drought. It's the longest in the league. We know what this ownership has done, guys. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, and I'm certainly not advocating for it. I'm going to say it three more times. I know I already said it three times. I just think it's really important for the long-term health and the sticking with the Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski that you get there. Because if you don't, then it becomes a 20-year drought, and that becomes headline of everything. And you get in a situation next year where the scheduling gods don't do you favors. And all of a sudden, yeah. you have you have real expectations and you haven't lived up. So you all, you all know what I'm getting at. What, I'm, what you're getting at in my eyes is you don't trust the ownership to understand what they got right now. I don't, and I have no reason to. So I'm getting it out there right. to say that, that that's lingering over this. And so just get there and get it out of the way, and we'll see what happens. And, like, right, we want yeah. to nitpick. We want to grade the Browns with high standards and not on a curve. Right? Right. Right. If they get there no, you're right. and they end up disappointed and next year doesn't go a certain way, I just worry. That's all. That's all I'm saying. That's a quality thing to say. A couple things, and I'll wrap it up, and I'll be quick. Um, Maslin and Hoban. This is the third year in a row the seasons will end against each other, right? No, they they beat they beat Hoban in the regionals last year, and then lost to LaSalle in the title game. I was at the regionals last year, but the year before it was a state championship. It was a state it? championship game. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm saying. The last three years, one of their seasons have ended against each other. So yes, against each other. Yes. Not in the state title. Game. Yes. yes. That just tells you how great this rivalry is. Um, it, it's become a true rivalry. All these players know each other. All the coaches know each other. Um, I would say it's a better rivalry than the Browns have had with anybody since they came back in 99. Uh, and if they do win, and if you're allowed out, drive down to Maslin and, and you're going to – <laughs> I might leave the house. If you know, I'll be leaving the house <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> I may just take a gander down at Maslin. That's for shit to get them. If they win that game and you got to pass me your, your uh, password, I got every uh, I got every uh, every other way to watch TV, but I don't got Spectrum, so you got to send that to me uh, <laughs> over Friday night. By the way, during this podcast, because of uh, because of the uh, the curfew, I don't know if you saw this, Zach, 
because this came down when we began. Um, there a lot of there's going to be games on Sunday now, and for the state championship because they don't want. Well, to they play already were the on curfew. Sunday, but they I know they moved up the game because of the curfew. So is that what it was? I was seeing. Yeah. Okay. So so Division Two, Maslin and Hoven is at six fifteen. It was at seven originally, right? Yeah, six fifteen. Um, All right. Yeah. So they'll play at six fifteen. Uh, who else do we even care about in these? Oh, Chardon. Chardon's in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a Saturday nighter. So the D one. When's the D one game? It was last week. Oh Jesus! Yeah, it's just the strangest year ever. I can't, right. I can't stand it. I can't stand this girl no more. Oh, Kirtland's still in <laughs> it too. Kirtland, I think, plays early Saturday. Let's not forget that. That's right. I mean, Kirtland's going to forty and get there. They've won forty in a row. That's unbelievable. Yeah. They, they, they're uh, a freaking machine. Yes, they really are. They really sure. are. Appreciate everybody for listening. We appreciate you guys indulging in what we indulge in. Last thing I'll say, it's, it's, I'll, I'll admit right up front. Um, I've said this to Zach Meisel. I've said it to Jason Lloyd a little bit. Uh, as you guys know, Zach Jackson works for the Athletic. They do a great job. He talked about ownership and trust. Um, I thought Meisel and, and Jason Lloyd did a bang-up job on uh, what occurred back in 95, 96 when the Browns left Cleveland. Um, I'm not saying that they changed my mind on anything, but they opened my mind to some things I kind of knew. And when you read the story, and if you read it really in-depth, it kind of tells you why the Browns have had bad luck because I believe in um, – what comes around goes around, and no offense to this man because he's no longer on this earth. But um, previous owner, he had some shady. He had some shade in the business that, that came down to making the Browns the Browns. And uh, I'm just saying, the, Al Lerner was not clean, and we knew that. But I thought um, your comrades at the Athletic did a great job with that. I gave them an, an idea, and I'm gonna keep bringing up this idea. And I just want my two athletic hats for it. Um, I think the Athletic would really do a bang-up job, Zach, and I'm saying this out loud again. Uh, if they put something together at the end of the year that we could make into like a small book or magazine of the top like 15 stories in the Athletic every year and get it out, that would get to be a great way to sell the Athletic. And I think that story about the Browns moving and the role I'll learn played in it would be one of those top 10 stories of the year um, that you guys would want in that magazine because that was a great job by both of those guys and kind of telling the story. For a lot of people, for you and I who worked around it in our age, we kind of knew the story. And I know that there's another generation before us that, that remember the ins and outs of the Browns leaving. But as you know, there are a lot of people in the, in the social media age that just know the Browns came back in 99 and don't really know the rele- relevance mm-hmm. of how and what was going on in Cleveland and how the Browns lost the Browns. Um, I thought those two did a great job in kind of letting the younger generation understand why the Browns are where they are. All right. You guys are tired of us talking? We're tired of hearing each other, too. Thanks for listening. Shout to Scene. Shout to the Honeymoon Grill. And shout to American Fireworks. Always open at AmericanFireworks.com. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you soon on A to Z. Konnichiwa, Adidas Jews.